House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome to the Julie South Show this Friday night and thank you very much for joining me. And more so to Karen Dolman, who is um, an amazing author and very inspirational in terms of an creating an understanding in people about self-empowerment and how we um, help our conscious self um, develop and embrace the kind of life and, and the world. And really, interestingly to me, um, Karen is known as a leading expert geologist, and that is a fascinating subject for me. So welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, good evening, Julie, and thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Now, a lot of our listeners, because of obviously this is a paranormal show, a lot of listeners will have either heard a lot about the Ouija board or will have dabbled in the Ouija board, sometimes with very good results, other times not. Um, and your website is a fantastic source of information for people who are just kind of starting out to understand what is a Ouija board. And in the UK, um, we have very mixed views. It's a bit of a taboo. Um, the use of a Ouija board, whereas in the States it has been you know, sold quite openly. Um, but here you would never find a Ouija board on the shelf. Um, so we perceive it in a very different way, in a very demonic way here. So tell me about your, your I suppose, how your journey, how, how you came to be um, a Ouijaologist. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, talking about my website. That That is a production we just finished creating about a half year ago. And so it's we've added a lot to it in terms of offering articles that people can download and read um, related to what we just talked about, what you just said about how to use the Ouija board and, and make it uh, work for you uh, in positive ways. Um, so, so thank you for that. Um, you know, this has been a long odyssey for me. In fact, it started back in 1973, and that is when I was first introduced to the Ouija board. Now, I, I understand you mentioned the Ouija board is taboo uh, for you in the UK. It's uh, over here. There's mixed messages about it. It's actually a lot of people do see it as very demonic and negative, um, and I see it as nothing but a positive tool that's neutral. Um, and it's positive. I, I can make it negative, I guess, if I wanted to. A lot of people do. It's positive to me because of how I've learned to use it. But going back to 1973 when I was introduced to it uh, by a couple of little girlfriends down the street, they showed it to me. They said, watch, watch this, this game. They called it a game. Uh, it, de it definitely is no longer a game to me. Um, and I was just, what, what, this is stupid. You put your hands on this plastic thing, the planchette, and you push it around. I, I mean, why? Why would you do this? They said, no, 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 Karen, we're not pushing it. The spirits mm -hmm. talk to us. Now, listen, I, I had seen spirits. I, I've always been open to the other side since a very young child. So uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't too absurd. But I thought, oh, really? On a Parker, back then Parker Brothers made it. On this Parker Brothers board, you mean to tell me ghosts come through? <laughs> it yes. was just a funny thing. But um, I put my hands in the planchette, promised myself and promised them I wouldn't push it. Push it. They, didn't put, they said they weren't pushing. I have to just trust the people I work with. And it moved. And they said, Karen, we're going to show you that we talked to our dead sister. And I'm going to tell you, Julie, that just really took me aback because I didn't even know they had a dead sister, number one. 
Um, and number two, they were communicating with this little girl um, who died right after birth, okay, shortly after birth. Her twin was in the room with us. It was her twin and my good friend. And I didn't know she had a, a dead sister. But they, the interesting thing, Julie, is that this little girl who died shortly after birth was growing up on the other side, of, in the other dimension, what we call the afterlife, and was basically the same age as her twin. And so I thought, that's pretty astounding, too. They said, I don't, we don't understand how that works. But they would talk to her on the board. And I thought, this is yeah. just mind-blowing. And from that day going forward, I was forever changed with this tool. You see, I, I always learn um, when I interview people. There's always something that I take from it. And you were just talking there, and um, and I was, I was... I suppose that those early days when you're with youngsters and that's what you do, you dabble in things, people introduce you to things. For me, it was a childhood um, playground hypnosis, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, uh, um, and I remember... Um, I just had a, a little kind of trigger moment as you were talking about my views on the Ouija board as a medium. And for me, I always thought the idometer effect, where it's that kind of subconscious mm -hmm. movement of the of the planchette by the person using it, and those pe how how those people really don't know that they are they are moving it, um, has always led me to be very cautious. And then I I suddenly thought while you were speaking, I my I'm going to say this quite openly, this must have been my own guide popping this into my head, was, was all I could hear was, you do it every day. You, mm. take, you have faith in some, a thought coming into your mind, and you know that thought is not yours. So you will know when you, you, when you touch the planchette that that movement is not yours. So they, they've just validated that to me because of my internal kind of dilemma over it. So it's really yeah. interesting, while you're talking, my guide is saying, no, hang on, listen, think about this a little bit. Well, um, that is very well said, Julie, and, and thank you for sharing what, what came into your mind. And, and that's, for the listening audience, that is exactly how this works. And that is how, and, and by the way, using this tool, um, and I use other tools too, has helped develop my own psychic mediumistic abilities um, so that I receive a lot of information uh, now in dreams direct from, as you just mentioned, Julie, thoughts in my, my mind, um, tele telepathically, also through automatic writing, uh, various ways now the energies come to me. And it's probably because I've, I fine-tune this, but you're absolutely right, Julie, and for your audience listening, there's definitely a feeling a distinct feeling that this is outside of you, where the energies are coming from. And yet they work through and with me um, to move the planchette, but I, it's, a, it's a pulling. And I ask, uh, I work with a lot of different people on the board, and I even teach courses now on how to work with the board to access your higher self. Um, and so what, what I ask people when they start out, when it starts working for them, I say, what is that feeling? What does that feel like? Because it is a feeling. And you have to really suspend your mind and judgment and all these other things. And what the feeling is, it's a pulling. And so the planchette, the little, uh, the little indicator that moves around the board, it, it pulls you and your hands stay with it. And it needs your hands on it, um, but it pulls you and you follow that and you know you're not pushing it or influencing it in that level. Now let's just say people don't want to don't believe that. That's fine. Don't believe what I'm saying, but you don't have to. But what I always say to people 
listen to the message you're getting or listen to the message that I'm giving when I do my sessions because it's ultimately is, is, it is about the message. Does the message resonate for you? And if it doesn't resonate, then throw it all out. And that's really with anything in life. Listen to the meaning and the message. Do you feel resonance to it? And, then, and that's the truth for yourself, whether it's the idiomotor effect, as Julie brought up, which is, which is your mind influencing the small motor movements in your hand, moving the planchette, or it's some telepathic thing or automatism, um, spirits external, whatever it is. For me, it's the message. And if the message is positive, uplifting, and honoring yourself at your greatest good, then that's what I go by always. And I think, you know, I love the way you describe that, Karen, because for listeners listening, I'm a very rational person. I'm a professional. Um, I've studied long and hard to be where I'm in my chosen field. Um, I'm also a medium. But when I started having those experiences where I suddenly knew more information about things than maybe I should have done, I, was, I asked somebody, what do I do now? How do I develop this further? And they said to me, sit in a quiet room with yourself and just ask your guide to make himself known to you and to tell you his name and I was thinking this is mad stuff there's no way in the world this is this is okay or um, how am I honestly meant to sit and talk to something that isn't there and so I did this over and over again over a couple of days and about three days later I knew the name of my guide was Roman there was no question about it mm -hmm. how could I have just thought of this name out of nowhere it, you know it, I've never heard the name before it's not something but I know that was the right thing I know it was the right name and I'm an incredibly rational person so this is something that um, you know I absolutely believe in what you're saying that you it is just a knowing you feel it you breathe it you experience it and you always know that that is something outside of your own realm doing that it's not you creating something so absolutely you know fantastic way of, of kind of describing that so how did you first I mean you you very trusting as a youngster I'm sure hands on the planchette is moving information's coming through how did you take that to another level how did you take that a step forward as you grew older well, um, it, it was just, it was mind blowing to me, um, that, that I, this, this outside force, this energies, uh, spirits, ghosts, at that time, that's all I thought you could use the board for was talking to the dead people. So what happened, um, as I progressed is I learned you could communicate with other energies, but to back up, the Ouija board was created in the United States in 1890, and it went, it became, um, patent and trademark in 1891 and it was the William William Fold uh, who, who began to manage the company and then took it over and they created the boards for many many years until they sold it to Parker Brothers in 1966 and not my board was a 1973 board so I had one of the earlier Parker Brother boards. But anyway, it, it came out of the spiritualist movement in the United States, which happened about the mid-1800s. And people really wanted to communicate with the deceased loved ones. I and mean, we had the Civil War in the United States, and then moving into World War One, World War Two, all the wars that were happening, there was a lot of lives lost. And so spiritualism was really at its heyday, 1800s, early 1900s, and people flocked to the revival tent spiritualist movement and, and uh, who could get messages from, from the dead. And so that's what I thought this board and tool was to be used for. That's what it was created for. But what happened, Julie, was 
I was in college, and this is really the turning point for me. Um, we were speaking to all kinds of dead people, and I, then I started developing some guides on the other side. I should say they were dead people, but they were helping me navigate, traverse the other dimension of the afterlife, if you want to call it that. I, I, now I have many other names for this other dimension. Uh, we'll just call it the afterlife for this case. And I was with several girls in my sorority, and I said, they were like, what are you doing with this stupid, to this stupid toy, and da 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 but a few friends of mine really believed in it because they were using it with me, and they were just astounded with the kind of communications we had. Well, I invited several of the girls to join me in a room, and I said, okay, I'm going to blindfold myself. My partner's going to blindfold herself, and I'm going to have somebody else write the sessions. I usually put one hand on the planchette, my left, and I usually have one finger on the planchette these days now, just one finger, and I write with my right hand. And that's what I was starting to do that back then. This was like 1988-ish, 88, I think it was. Um, and this, what happened was I, we, I blindfolded myself. My partner was blindfolded. Our hands went on the planchette. There was about eight people in the room. One of the gals decided to take dictation and write whatever letters it's, the planchette stopped on. So we just let it start moving. And I told these girls, I can't see anything. My partner couldn't either. We proved it. They looked up to make sure, and we couldn't see anything. The planchette moved around the board. It moved and it was spelled and it was, I, I don't know what it was doing, where it was going. All I could tell you this, Julie, is that it moved so quickly with such force and energy that I, all we could do is keep our fingers on it to just try to stay on that planchette. And it went so quickly and then it just all of a sudden stopped. I pulled off my blindfold. I looked around the room and I noticed one girl was crying. I said, what? She's like, no, no, it's okay. I said, okay. Um... I said, please read the message. And so the gal who was taking dictation read it. And basically, um, I do have it verbatim in my book, The Spirits of Ouija, which we're kind of discussing today. Um, but it, basically what the message was, it said, and I always change the name, because so, I, you know, I want people's permission to use their names, but I changed the name. It said, hello, um, hello, Lindsay, this is your sister. I want you to know that I love you very much. Tell mom and dad and our other sister that I love them. Know that we died immediately on impact my boyfriend is here as well know that we're always with you and love you and always will please don't have any pain left for us the only the only thing we ever feel from you is love but we do feel your pain so if you can let go of your pain that you feel over our death everything will be better because we are no longer in pain we never were in pain and we will be with you forever we love you uh, another all of us started crying we could not believe this message and I looked at this girl and I said I said, do you have a dead sister? How do you know this? Okay. Nobody in that room knew but one person, the girl sitting there crying. And she says, yes, my, one of my sisters died several years earlier. And I said, I had no idea. And at that moment, she cried one of those really tear-jerking, kind of, you know, gut-wrenching cries. We all, there was not a dry eye in the room. Not, we all felt that, that, that experience. And I felt like, okay, I need to say something. I said, okay, guys. No more fun and games. Okay, so I, I proved to you the blindfold trick does work. I don't need to do this anymore. I said, but what I know now, this is no longer a game. I, this is a healing tool that can help people find peace and solace from their grief. And this girl had been carrying this grief around. She did go tell her family about it. I asked her later, and she said, yes, they really appreciate and thank you for your work. I said, no, I just, I just show up and the work comes through. And, Julie, that was the moment that it changed for me, the transformation, how I use this tool. Not that I wasn't using it well. It was just that now I said, 
I'm not just going to talk to any spirit. This is to only help people have closure for, for grief. And then after that, I started changing the direction I went with it as well. But that, that was a big changing point for me. And so, and that was in your college years? Yes, so, it was. At what point did you write your first book, Karen? Well, um, I have three books out. The first book I wrote back in 1997 when I was a psychotherapist. I became a therapist. Um, I went to graduate school and then became a licensed uh, art psychotherapist and was, was in private practice for 10, 10 years, a decade. And this was in the late 80s, early through the 90s. And at that time, I wrote my book on creativity. It was written with the help of my spirit friends that I had met through using the board. Now, now, when I say spirit friends, I'm talking about I started moving beyond dead people, started communicating with my angels, other people's angels, and then ethereal beings, and now I'm in communication with light beings of source energy. And this is pretty much all that I communicate with to this day. Um, but at that time, I was talking with my angels and these light beings, and we wrote a book together, and it's called The Spirit of Creativity, Embodying Your Soul's Passion. Now, I wrote this at a time when it was very much taboo to talk about the Ouija board. It would, you would have been considered a fool or evil or something of that nature. Um, and I was very quiet about it, especially to I, I carried licenses. I was practicing in private practice. I was well-known in, in Austin, Texas, for my work at that time. I worked in hospitals. I worked in psychiatrist offices as a therapist, and I had my own office. And so I really kept that private, and I kept that myself compartmentalized and kept in my Ouija board practice separate from my psychotherapy practice. Um, but yet we wrote a book together, and it was my first experience of doing that with the spirit guides. And they told me when I wrote this book, that first book, to, to not put it in the book uh, that we, we did this through the Ouija board. Because they said that will, that will throw you out of, of what you're doing here with your private practice work. But what happened, Julie, was I did not publish that book to 2012. Um, that book was written at a time when my life totally shifted. Um, I went through a dark night of my soul, a tough time, and used that book um, and everything I write about in that book as exercises and things you can do to, to really embody your passion of, of your, your life passion of what you should be doing in life. And I used every single one of those tools and techniques and pulled myself out of this really dark time. And then by the time I was ready to publish it, it was 2012, and then I, that's when it was published, and now I'm out here out in the open talking about my Ouija board experiences because I'm no longer in that private practice that, would, that it would hurt or hinder. So that was the first book. But what happened was when I was sharing that first book on radio and on shows and talked about uh, the Spirit Guides helped me write that book, people quickly wrote to me and said, we want to hear all about all your Ouija board experiences. Thus, the second book, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication, came out of that, came out of the inquiry of everybody listening to me saying, tell me more, we want these stories. So uh, every, I, I include in that book all the stories and experiences, the do's, the don'ts, the hows and whys, and all the beans I met along the way. It's really quite a, quite a journey, and I share that in that other book. So you talk about the Ouija board as, I mean, it could be anything. It's, it is just a board. There's nothing within that board that makes it um, either enlightening or dangerous. It's about you using the board and how you use it to um, facilitate conversation and, and um, in that, that communication with spirit. So what, what skills, what do you need to possess to be able to use a Ouija board effectively? 
Oh, excellent question. I've never had it asked that way, and I think that's a great way to say it. The board is neutral. It is, it's not the board at all. In fact, I can take a paper sack, I can take a cardboard box, I can take letters on a sidewalk, and I can get messages from spirit. Um, it has nothing to do with the board. It's just a tool. It has everything to do with the person. I call them the operator who's using the tool. It's, that's exactly it. Julie, you said it so well. So the, the, what you should possess, <laughs> uh, have within yourself when you come to the board, and I, and I have some articles about this uh, on my website, which is KarenADalman.com. I highly recommend you go there and check it out under the art of talking boards. But, but what you do is have an open mind and open heart. It's good to just be relaxed, open, um, understanding, willing, uh, lack of fear. So when you have a lot of fear or any trepidation, don't, this is not a tool for you. The interesting thing about this tool, and the interesting thing about any kind of tool that allows you to explore different realms, whether it's trow cards, maybe whether it's a K2 meter, whether it's a electronic voice recording, um, whether it's ruins or a dowsing instrument, the, the Bottom line is you're going to attract to you the energy of, of, of what you are. What my spirit guides tell me is that everything is vibration. And, and, and science backs this up. We've heard a lot from quantum physics that talks about everything is nothing but vibrating molecules at a certain rate of speed. And so what my guides say to me is this. You are vibration. We are vibration. Flowers are vibration. What separates us is the frequency of our vibration, which is the rate of the vibration is what separates us. So allowing yourself to be open, clear, in a good frame of mind, a good space in your heart, uh, checking your baggage at the door, any problems of the day, don't bring them to the board, don't bring them to the table. Um, get, in the, get in the space for it. Uh, be relaxed, receptive, open. I think it's great to have a partner because then you have somebody to actually uh, traverse this journey with, to, to have the messages come through. It's easier to allow the planchette to move, to, to pull you, as opposed to trying to do it yourself. When you do it yourself, what happens is a lot of people write to me and they say, well, I have no partner, I'm doing it myself. They second-guess themselves too much. And it's, it doesn't, they tell me they can't get it to work. Some people get it to work, um, and that's because they're being open and receptive. Um, but this tool doesn't work for everybody, and really it does de depend upon what your beliefs and perceptions are about such a tool. If you, it's been crammed down your throat, um, or you've seen a lot of things on the Internet, or, or religions told you, or somebody else has told you these bad stories, or don't do it, it's, that's going to come to play in it. Now, see, when I was introduced to the board in 1973, I ran home, immediately told my parents how cool this was, and they didn't say anything negative or positive. They kind of said, yeah, wink, wink, sure it works. But listen, I got, I got my first board from Santa Claus at Christmas time, so that same year. So there was no fear in my family about it. There was no concern that it was bad. So I grew up in a very open environment, which really influenced me. So these are the things you can do to have the board work for you that, to, that help come into play. And I always say, you know, set, a, set, set the intention, state, state what it is that you want to have happen during your session, such as, I would love to meet my angel. I would love to meet my guides. I always say, bypass the dead. Don't start communicating with the dead right away. They are the easiest to communicate, but what I find is their messages are nebulous at the best. They're not always accurate. Uh, who they were in life, they're probably still attached to if they're coming around and talking on a board. It, it's, it's, I find it better to, to move through that realm and go right directly to your guides or your higher self. 
I, I teach people how to go to their higher selves and guides for this reason. I think you're going to get better messages and you're going to get uh, supportive, loving messages as well. So that's one thing to do. Have your intentions set. Uh, set the space, the atmosphere, light a candle, maybe you want a sage, whatever beliefs you want to pull in just that help you feel empowered. Feel empowered when you do this tool. That, that's, that's the key. Feel empowered within yourself. What I call it, and I tell people, be centered within first before you start looking without, which means start seeking answers out with outside yourself. So w when you come to the table again with feeling this way, uh, these kinds of emotions, these kinds of intentions, this kind of atmosphere, you're going to be met with a similar vibration coming back at you. That's how you do it. So it's almost like a, a meditative state, isn't it? Just, you know, calm, yes. relaxed, open, um, and able to kind of, I suppose, everybody who starts to um, explore the world of Ouija will see it as a tool to communicate with those that have passed over, that we've been close to, sure. and your advice is go beyond that because the messages are going to be more refined, they're going to be clearer, they're going to be more controlled, and you're going to um, receive more um, positivity and answers by going to higher beings. That, that's absolutely right. Okay, so we're going to take a short break then. When we come back after this break, um, we're going to be talking about... Um, whether Karen um, sees herself as maybe a medium, um, in, and in that that term, I'm guessing, I'm thinking about if um, if my thought processes come in and spirit communication comes in as a thought, how does Karen know that that mediumship is not influencing the board? So that's one of the things we'll be exploring. But more than that, about how. Um, Karen's work with, she's been able to leave her kind of day job behind and move into this as a, um, an empowering vocation and how that's really kind of taken a turn for her and, and, and how her work with the Ouija has brought positivity into her life. So we'll just take a short break and then we'll come back. Welcome back after that very short break. And still with me, I have Karen Elman, and we have been talking about Karen's um, amazing work with the Ouija board and how she perceives the board. And some of that journey about where she's kind of come from, how she became involved with the board as a, as a youngster, kind of dabbling, introduced to it by friends, and how very quickly she understood the real potential with the board for positivity and really helping people to find out more about themselves. So for anybody listening, I would really heartily recommend that you go to Karen's website, which is um, KarenAdelman.com. Amazing website. Everything's on there. Amazing pictures. This lady is a beautiful person. And um, Karen, welcome back. Well, thank you, Julie. It's great to be here for the second part of the show. Thank you. So I'm intrigued and as I, I said earlier as I go through interviews I always learn and take something from people that I interview and, and I am absolutely humbled by that very much humbled and one of the things um, I suppose I, I, I didn't learn for some time how to describe how mediumship happens so I knew it was happening I could describe so many different things that um, messages that I'd received but I didn't really um, wasn't really able to articulate how that actually happened in terms of a practical arrangement in my mind. And the 
transpired. It, it was just a thought. A thought comes in and it turns into something. And you have to be very careful that you don't, and I say this in inverted commas, humanize it. So as soon as I start to try and put my own take or understand the message, I can get the message completely wrong. So I have to just relay the message as I am told it. And so when, and I trust that that message is going to mean something, whether it be there in that moment or whether it be, you know, somewhere along the future of that person. How do you know that the message that you are, are getting from the board isn't actually a message coming in through mediumship as in a thought process that then is transpiring through the board? Sure. What I've developed for myself over time, uh, well, let me back up. Two, I got a couple things to say. One would be um, working with a partner. Um, if if I think if one of us was controlling it more because of her own idiomotor or mediumistic abilities, or we yeah. would be almost like fighting for the wheel, you know, try, which is the planchette, and you would feel somebody tr pushing, pulling. It'd be, you would be jerky movements. Um, if you just you could try this experiment. Anybody can. You put two people in front of a planchette and just you both try to push it around. And unless one person lets go and lets the other person drive it it, it, it changes. But see, what I do is I make sure I'm just following it. And I ask my partners, too. And we both are, we got that feeling going down. That's the first thing I wanted to say. And the second thing is what I've developed, how, I guess, what I've developed, what, what, how my spirit guides have helped me develop with this tool is that I can dissociate from the writing and the and the movement and the board what's going on I have this process I do where I, I again I just have one finger on the on the on the planchette now my partner typically has one hand or two hands with like eight fingers on there um, and I've got just one and then I just look over at the page and I'm just calling out the letters a D Q B See, mm -hmm. and I'm just writing them down, and in that process of writing down, I'm leaving myself. I'm kind of getting out of that. Uh, it becomes very, um, it's me very meditative for me, to say the least. Then I go back and read what they wrote, and I have to put little hashed lines to separate the letters sometimes to get the words. So I, I, I'm surprised, and this different language comes through uh, of what my guides might use than maybe the language I will use. Different words will come through, and I even looked some of these words up and said, what is this? And I'm like, that's like some old, older English word, or, or it had a, a root from, from um, over in England or something. I, I was just shocked sometimes at some of the things they'd say and the phrases, and I think they're spelling it wrong, and I look it up, and I'm a pretty good speller, and I'm like, no, they, <laughs> they got that right. Um, what my guys have told me, and, and by the way, I'm on the board, uh, I'm getting constant communication that comes through, not just sentences. We're talking pages of dictation before I even stop and read what they wrote. They told me, they give me blocks of energy, um, and what happens is it's hard for them to separate, to even take it and, and break it down into letters. And so once in a while they might miss a word, and I just say, what's the word that's missing right here? Is there a word missing? And they'll, they'll tell me what the word is later. It's hard for them to do the board, by the way. It's much easier for them if they came directly through me um, and they do in other ways, like dreams, I said, or through writing, uh, sometimes through thoughts, as, as you, you mentioned, you get, Julie. So I've, I've learned in the process of doing this is to pull my step out of it in a way. I, I am very involved in the process, but I'm also in a meditative state. Not like I'm self-hypnosis or anything like that. It's just I get in a very relaxed state. It, it, by the way, a lot of people do this work with me. They can only sit there for so long. They get kind of tired. It energizes me. It takes me to a whole other level. When I'm done uh, using the board, I am so recharged and energized that if I do it at night, 
I might be up for several more hours <laughs> because of the energy that's coming and, and the messages and the words. So it, it's just, um, and it has nothing to do with the board, guys. Nothing to do with the board it has to do with the, the communication and who I'm communicating with. Um, so, so yeah, I trust it. I trust the process because the messages I have are nothing but uplifting, the loving from a highest good. They don't give me answers like this is what you should do. They always inspire me to make the best choices and how to live uh, my life in more inspired ways and to help others do the same. It, the work that I do through this tool has really helped me become a better human being in many ways. So you've described not talking directly to the dead, mm -hmm. but going above that. So help our listeners to understand what the different kind of levels um, of beings would be that you might want to communicate with as opposed to just those people that have passed over that we might want to hear from through the grief process. Excellent. Now, I, I'm going to apologize. My cat is in the background kind of screaming and yelling. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. He, he, anytime I get on a show, he loves to be heard, I guess. And so I'm, I apologize if the listeners are hearing that. But um, by the way, I talk to my animals uh, on the board. I know this might sound crazy to people. No different than a psychic who can communicate with animals. You can also use your board to communicate with your very much alive pets. So there's many levels here we can talk about. But... Um, uh, my, so, my, my dog would be absolutely horrified because I was saying, <laughs> you are on a diet. <laughs> she would be mortified. I would hear her backlash. <laughs> Give me chocolate. Give me. <laughs> well, Julie, do you tap into your animal? Do, do you talk to your pet? I, 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 I don't. And um, a few years ago, I worked with um, a medium whose partner was... Um, an animal um, animal medium and um, I found the whole thing fascinating and he said to me you need to be thinking that thought process that you mm -hmm. currently use that telepathy that you use currently with your guide with those people who have passed over you need to be putting it into symbols you just need to build upon these images that you're almost firing at the animal um, tele um, telepathically mm -hmm. um, and I found that an amazing concept and I kind of tried to do that for quite a short period of time, um, just symbols to identify when I'm going out, when I'm coming home. So so that the dog wouldn't become anxious, I would then um, almost just really hard think about and look at her, uh, a picture of me coming back through the door or to say that I'm, still, I'm coming back, it's going to happen. Yes, um, and that's how they communicate, is through images. And so what my guides do is they interpret their images and then spell it out um, by helping. That's how we communicate with the animals. They see their images and their feelings about something. It's very um, it's very primal. It's, it's at a very, um, oh, just just a very easy, easy way of communicating. It's the way we, we all could when we came into this world and at birth. We were telepathic. We were about images and what we saw and feelings. And that's how the animals, and so we communicate as well. And so my guides will go and interpret what they're feeling and thinking when I ask them a question and they'll come back and, and spell it in, in English so I can understand it. But yeah, that's um, that's how it works. Now, you were asking me about, I, I believe we were talking about the how to move into these realms of the different realms of communication. Yeah. Okay. So we just got a little sidetracked there. But it's, this is part of the, the, the one of the realms of communication. So it do, it's easier to, to most easiest um, to communicate with the deceased, the dead, um, because it, they're closest to our realm. They're closest to our dimension. They're just right here. If you take your hand and put it like maybe an inch or two from your face, that's how close that realm is. And so, and their vibration is, is more closer to our vibrations. So it's easier to communicate with. Now, I'm not opposed to communicating with the dead. I still do. It's just that I don't go there for my 
my inspiration. I don't necessarily go there for guidance or uh, for influence, but I'll definitely go there for people who have uh, questions to have closure, um, to have help on that, to 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 communicate and say, I love you one more time. By the way, you can say it right now and they're going to hear you. But I know I understand that. I respect that in people. So that's one of the first levels. Now, in that lower astral level where there could be earthbound spirits, um, these are the ones that, that are still tied to the personality. And I'm not necessarily talking about your loved one who has moved on and, and comes around and you know they're there. I'm not talking about them being stuck. I'm talking about the ones that might be in poltergeist-like places or haunted places. And the ones that are more uh, stuck in their personality, their, their grief, their pain, their anguish, whatever it was that keeps them here. And that a lot of them don't even know they're dead. And those are really easy to talk to. And so I think when people start doing this work and what I hear from people, that's where they go. And that's typically who they talk to first. And so you yeah. do get the tricksters, right? You do get the mischievous ones and the ones who are going to cause some havoc and mess around with you. And so that's why I say don't really go there. You might have to traverse through it. But to stay focused, and maybe you do talk to your, your, your dead grandmother who you loved and, and you know their presence is around you. And maybe you go there first. But, but I, I like to go through those realms and go right into the angelic, the guardians, the guides, your higher self. And those are, those are dimensions. Those are many different dimensions. And many of these uh, guides and guardians and angels can traverse all these dimensions as well as your higher self can. Now, your higher self is that part of you that is within you, but so much more with, with outside of you. And it's the part of you that connects you back to source, to God, to all that is. It is the wisest part, most wisest part of yourself. And so I really strive and help people go to that level with this tool, um, with any tool, really, um, because that is where you're going to find your most inspiration and your guidance and your answers. And so these are just different realms you go through. And then along the way, I started communicating with the animals, um, dead and alive, um, and just moving into these other dimensions. And there's many layers and uh, energies within these dimensions that are very helpful, um, that don't intervene within our lives, but yet and, until you call upon them. And that's just without even using this tool. You, your angels are waiting in the wings for you. Your guides are too. And they don't interfere, intervene until you uh, acknowledge and allow them to. Yes, there are stories where angels will intervene with people and help them at times of, of hardship and tough times and maybe wrecks and car wrecks and stuff of that nature. But you can call upon them, and they are there. As you did, Julie, you called and asked for their name. So the, the Ouija board just allow, is just a tool I use to go into these same spaces and realms. So is there a difference in your perception between an angel and a spirit guide? Absolutely, yes. Um, there are. And, and there's different ones between different types of guides and also guardians. Um, and also, uh, there's different levels and types of angels. They all have, they all have their role that they play. And they're all in evolutionary phase as well. They're all evolving as they help, as they reach out, and as we are evolving. Everything, everything's always evolving in the universe. Um, and so there's different levels of guides and, and, uh, that, that will interact with you in different ways. Um, I have some guides that interact with me only through synchronistic events or making something, um, 
oh, how things transpire in my life in synchronistic ways. And then I have guides who directly speak to me through the board or, or in my dreams. I have guides that don't need to speak that just show me images. And, I, and so there's different levels um, and types, and you can get to know them. And, uh, and I think it's different for everybody, too. I think uh, in terms of how far you're in and wide your mind goes, that's going to allow you to traverse even further into these dimensions and find all these different characters and helpers that are out there. What do you think, Julie? I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I remember, um, Carl, way back now, uh, when I first began um, really understanding my mediumship and what it meant for me, and my guide would, would just stand in front of me in my mind's eye and he would be, he was a quite a tall black gentleman in a, mm. in a kind of toga type um, robe. And he would have his hands together almost as though he was praying and he would just nod. And that was the <laughs> Everything came through as a thought. And I just knew what way I should be going. There was no real dialect. He would just nod. And as our relationship grew... I would I would be on stage or I'd be doing something and I would hit the nail on the head. You know, it would be so accurate. And he would give me the thumbs up. And it was almost like a, um, a learning. I learned more about um, spirituality and trusting in what people were telling me, as in my guides telling me. And he grew more understanding of my methods of communication and how I needed them to be. And mm. so it was very much a parallel process. And then all of a sudden, um, I was on stage one day, and a gentleman in my mind's eye stood in front of me, and um, quite often, Rahman would give me images of present-day celebrities for me to describe something to somebody. So an example was, I saw somebody's relation outside a farmhouse in um, France. I was able to describe everything, and the only thing I didn't, I, I withheld, was the fact that I could see this gentleman in denim dungarees, and it became, it was not important to me. It was, you know, I just had, to, I felt I had to describe everything else, and so I had a couple of comedians who are known to wear dungarees um, put into my mind's eye, and they used to wear very vibrant turquoise and yellow dungarees. They were a comedy act, and and I was told that told me straight away the dungarees are important. Get a grip and talk about them, um, so, which I did. And then sometimes when I'm asked to talk about and validate somebody's home, I'm given an image of the television. For example, we've got EastEnders over here, so I might be given a, um, a set to describe. So whilst I'm describing the room of a family on a soap opera, I, the spirits know that, whilst, that I will use the same words that will directly correlate to that person I'm talking to. Mm. So, and you have to have that trust. But all of a sudden, this gentleman came in, and he stood in front of me, and he looks, the, um, this new guide, the spitting image of Morgan Freeman. And he has a book under his, his arm, and he, he nods, and um, about two or three weeks after initially meeting him, I don't know his name, and, and, and after meeting him, an ambulance drove past me, and I burst into tears. And I knew straight away the person had died. Mm. And I also knew straight away this message that had come through from this gentleman that said, you are more than what you think you are. You're, you know more than, and you can do more than what you think you can do. I have just shown you an example of that. And I knew that straight away like a flash in my, in my mind. 
incredibly powerful. Oh, and yes. Ironically, um, a friend of mine, has her, he, uh, his wife um, is a relation of Morgan Freeman. Um, and this has been like five years later. Um, that kind of uh, correlation I don't understand yet, but just the, the coincidence is a bit amazing. Um, so I think that, you know, I totally agree that all of those different levels, and I think my guides teach me every step I have another person come in who can take me that little bit further. So I may not understand what they're there for, um, but in time they will evolve my mediumship and, and my communication in a way that I probably could never even envisage um, when I first meet them. And it's about that trusting relationship. That's very interesting what you said. It's true. Uh, in my odyssey with the board has been very similar in terms of different guides and levels coming through. And as I began to understand more about these spiritual dimensions, and, and there's so much more to explore, it, we never get a grasp on it all, new guides come in. But in 1994, the, the two main ones, and they're actually what, the, what they, call, they call themselves, they don't have a name, they're really androgynous. Um, yet they represent kind of a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And, I, and, I, and that's probably because I write about the balance of the energies within ourselves. And that's really what my third book is about, The Spirit of Alchemy. But they, so they come through as this collection of souls, of energies. But they're all light beings. They've never been in physical form. But they work as a we, as a team. And they are the ones that I speak to the most now since 1994. And they're, the, they're my principal guides. But I worked through so many other guides to get to that place. And finally, one of my guides before that, who I just called the big one, <laughs> he didn't have a name, he was of a, of, a, of a light being as well, said, now, as I introduced to you last night in your dream, you're going to meet your two new guides. And then they came in, and I had no name for them other than how they entered the board. And so what I've learned to do is, and they, they think it's humorous, and they think it's fun, and they like it, um, that I have actually named them after parts on the board and the Ouija board, a typical Ouija board, which is what I love to use. I use my 1973 board to this day with the original planchette. Is on the corner is the sun, an image of a sun, and on the corner is the image of the moon. Well, these two spirit guides came in. One came in through the moon, that's a group of souls, and the other one came in at the sun, that's another group. And the, and the sun is more of a masculine energy and the moon represents like Bella Luna, that it's a female energy. And so they come through and they enter the board at those places. And so I know the way they move. I know how they, what they talk about. It's just very beautiful stuff. But those are the main guides I have now. But like, as you said, Julie, there's different ones that come through. And on the board, when you, people out there listening who are using the board, they will attest to that as well. Or if you're new to it, you'll find this to, to work for you too. As you begin to work with tools like this, of this type, or even just on your own abilities to be more intuitive and empathic, um, you will find that you'll have different teachers come. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Now these two that I work with now told me they will be with me through the rest of my life. Although different uh, energies will come through if they need to communicate with me or I have somebody sitting with me in a circle, open message circle, and they have messages that need to come through. But, but yet um, the moon, uh, who I probably speak with the most, um, tends to come in for everybody. And in some shows I've done, she's come through. Now, if people are interested also, Julie, on my website I have under articles at the top of my website page is called Moon Messages. And these are actual dictated verbatim messages that the moon gives. I, I, when I do these sessions, I pull out like little paragraphs or stanzas that stand out to me, and I call them moon messages. And I release them on Facebook and Twitter, and, and I put them there on my website for people to read. And it's really some of the profound 
it's, it's ancient teachings in a, in a practical way in a world today. But these are ancient spiritual teachings, and I put them up there so people can have an opportunity to read them and learn from them and see how they inspire them as well as they, as they inspire me. So, yeah, your guides do change. They can change. Some may stay. Some will go. And it's all just a process of life and evolution. So I have to ask you the question, Karen, because I'm sure that listeners will be, you know, avidly listening to and finding this fascinating. But I also know that for those people who attend many paranormal events, um, they will be, uh, I suppose, their interest in dabbling with the Ouija board without much um, knowledge or information about it is based on media and the television shows out there that we, and, and especially that we have here, that have used those communication tools um, in the wrong, wrong way, um, to be fair, but they, they've used them and, and people see negative energies come through. So what is your take on, A, the paranormal and using them in terms of um, historic, and I'm going to use this term very loosely, ghost hunts, mm -hmm. or, um, or people who've, who are saying it's for, it's for negative energies and, and they're not really equipped to be able to, to use the board appropriately? Okay, yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. Um, over here, people are kind of hesitant to bring them into paranormal investigations. I think they don't see them as reliable. Then again, I think most people that are using them don't know how to use them. Um, and, and because there, there is a way to, to use these tools, and, and, um, and uh, this, especially this tool, there's a, there is a way to use it to get good results. I have been involved in several uh, paranormal investigations myself, and this is a fascinating thing to share with everybody here is that I can get involved in a paranormal investigation by sitting right here in my home in Southern California <laughs> and work with a, with a paranormal haunting, whether it's even in the UK. And the reason why is because spirit is not bound by time and space continuum as we think we are. We really aren't either, but we are because we believe in this uh, space-time continuum. We, we are told that, so that's become our reality. Um, when you when you cease to exist in this human experience, and when you die, um, except for the, the spirits who are so tied to their past life, they just experience and left. They're going to be tied to space-time continuum in a way, but um, we the spirits don't have to be. And so when I use this tool to traverse into these other realms, I can call upon a spirit that's located halfway around the world or located down the street, and I can communicate with them. In fact, I went into a high-profile uh, case uh, on Cielo Drive in Hollywood, um, belonged to uh, where Sharon Tate, where the murders happened, or Sharon Tate and her friends. This is the Charles Manson murder I'm talking about. You can look that up online if the UK are not familiar with it. Happened in 1969. I know the gentleman who owns the house four doors down, and I was invited over there to walk through the house uh, and then to feel and then to use the board which I did. But before I even went there, I asked him if I had permission to tap into his energy at his house with my board and with my partner, and we did, and we spoke to um, Sharon Tate and the other few people that were murdered there and um, talked to them on the board before we went and then talked to him again when we were there and spoke to him one more time after I left. Now, does that mean these spirits come around and haunt me? Absolutely not. What this means, and this is how I'm prepared for this, I'm very strong in my center, and, and people that are going to go into investigations and use this tool or dabble in this area really need to know your spiritual self first and understand your own boundaries and understand that you can have boundaries in the spiritual realm, and, and I definitely have those. No spirits are allowed to enter my room when I'm sleeping at night. 
um, and and only only that which comes from my greatest good, the highest good, and, and that's positive is allowed to communicate with me, and that's all I ever get. And so um, when you go into a haunted place and use this tool, really have used it, you really have used it in practices and, and getting in that space of feeling positive and good and centered with yourself and then go into the space a haunted place and use it and then you're going to have better better results um and i've i've also uh, done investigations with um other teams where again i'll bring i'll bring my tool my, my board out that's my tool i use i don't necessarily need evps and of that nature and i'll, I'll tap into the energies that, that are there if they choose to communicate now there's a big if because they may not want to communicate with me. The other thing that I do, it's very different than a lot of people. I don't go into haunted places expecting to release these spirits. I believe in free will. I believe they have their own level of evolution they're experiencing. But for sure, if they ask me to help them, which many of them just say, hey, there's a light, I see you, can you help me? Then I will say, absolutely, how can I help you? And then I will work with the spirit releasement techniques and stuff I use the board to do as well. And my angels come in and assist with that. And I've had some haunted places where I've done that before because they've asked me. Or they'll find me during a session and just pop in. Um, you know, like if you're on your phone, you get a bleed-through phone call from somebody else. We used to have those old handsets from 20 years ago in our home to talk on the telephone. You can get bleed-through conversations, right? Um, so if I, it happens a lot on the board if there's a spirit in nearby that wants some help and they'll say I see a light can you help me where am I I'm lost and then I'll ask questions and help them move forward so they can actually go into the next dimension and not be stuck but that's not my agenda it's their agenda and I think that's really important when we do go into haunted places that we don't go with our own agenda we're open to communication we're open to experiencing what's there but also um, you know it, it, respect goes a long ways and it goes a long ways in these other dimensions as well I've, seen, I've certainly seen some incredible um, demonstrations of using tools in paranormal investigations and seen some appalling um, presentations of tools and people's lack of respect. Um, mm -hmm. So on an investigation, personally, I tend to veer away from, from using them purely because I, I get information in a different way, so I, I wouldn't necessarily need another tool in that moment. Um, but it's, um, you know, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. It is about what you're going to look for and whose agenda it is. Well, um, Karen, we're coming to the end of our, our, our time, and, and I don't think we've even touched the tip of the iceberg in terms of <laughs> your knowledge. And, and um, you know, clearly there is so many more things I could have asked. How do people contact you if they want you to support them through the use of the board or um, if they want some more information about the Ouija board and the, and the kind of self-empowerment stuff that you do? Great. Well, well, thank you, Julie, for having me. It's been an enjoyable hour with you and loved everything that you shared as well. It's just so complimentary. Um, so, yes, if people would like to reach me, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, on Instagram. Everything is under Karen A. Dahlman, D-A-H-L-M-A-N. So find me there. Also, my website, KarenADahlman.com. You can contact me there, ask questions. Um, and I, I write articles based on sometimes the questions. I have a newsletter. Please join my newsletter there as well, and you'll get the latest articles when they come out, as well as other kinds of insight and information um, towards how to use this tool and, and also how to develop your own abilities, in, empathic abilities and, and sens sensitivities. Um, also, I have a YouTube channel, and I have a whole series on there called The Women of Ouija. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I do it with my dear friend Marla Martinson, who also works with the board. And we talk about everything from any kind of spiritual development, creative development, well-being, health, anything about that you can do to empower your life. So just come check out our videos as well. And, and Julie, thank you again. It's a lovely show. Thank you, Karen. So just a reminder for everybody. So Karen Dolman, she has the three books, The Spirit of Creativity, Spirits of Ouija, and The Spirits of Alchemy. And it's a progressive development in terms of an exploration and an understanding of your own being and your journey to connect and be communicating with your higher self, your spirit guides, and your angels. And the use of the Ouija board to not merely use it as a tool to, um, to communicate with those that have just passed over, but to develop an, um, an understanding greater than that, to receive messages that are of a higher level than, than, than that, for, for clarity and to help you develop as a person in your own life and into your higher self. So um, absolutely amazing. Guys, I will rarely ever say this on an interview. You and you, you know how skeptical I can be, even as a medium, in terms of I'm very careful who I would put my trust in. Karen has come over as one of those people, so please get on the website, have a look, um, book some time with Karen if you if you if you want that support. Um, I don't know why I trust this lady. Thank you, Karen, very much. Thank you. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'll be back. <laughs>